It's great to be here this morning. I, I've not been here the last couple of Sundays, and it's always great to be home. Uh, last week, I was on Blackbird Lees um, with the church there, and the week before that in West Oxfordshire. Actually, last night, I, in, I was in Swindon, which isn't going to get a cheer from anyone, I <laughs> don't think. Uh, but with, um, I was at a men's weekend. I've never been to a men's weekend before. It's quite interesting. I've never been to a men's weekend before. And this first one I went to was in a five-star hotel. So that was, that, was, that was good. And someone else paid for me to go. So that was good. Uh, meeting with, the, with men from the Salton Light churches. Salton Light is the name of our wider family of churches. Churches from Gloucestershire which is where I grew up and where Bev, my wife, grew up as well. And I have to say, um, I had an amazing time of worship last night. The average age was probably 60 plus, um, but they were do si and dancing with glad abandon. And it was quite inspiring, I have to say. I thought, if I've got that much passion for God at that age, I will be really very happy. So uh, it's great to be here this morning. And we are looking, um, every now and again, I stand up and say, we're doing vision, OCC, vision. This is a, someone, there you go. Vision for OCC. And this year, we're, um, I've got some, some new things to say. I've got some news to share as well. As, um, I'm going to lead us through thinking this morning and, and hopefully gaining some confidence and faith, some belief for what God has got ahead for us. And I'm going to start off by pointing out that we have had lots of vision over the years. Um, Previous visions that we've had. Who was around in the late 90s? I don't mean born, I mean here. Uh, That was a season in which we had vision that God had given us to establish a building in the city that would be used for all sorts of things. God spoke clearly to us through prophetic words. One was that we'd have a building by the river with an iron footbridge right next to it, of which there are not very many, and it led us here. Uh, We had an amazing time of seeing God's provision for that vision to be realized. I remember one September being sat here as part of a prayer meeting on a Tuesday morning at which a guy called Steve Thomas, who was the founding pastor of the church here and who's speaking here in a few weeks, actually speaking here next week and in a few weeks' time after that as well, um, leading us in prayer because we'd purchased this facility and refurbished it and we still had a significant debt, 1.6 million pounds, and he led a bunch of us to pray that we'd see some breakthrough, and the next morning, a check for 790,000 pounds arrived, which our um, finance administrator took to the bank, and the cashier looked astonished and said, who on earth likes you that much? To which there were several answers. One is, we don't know, humanly. It was an anonymous gift. Uh, But equally, we know that the Lord loves us, and he doesn't give us visions that will will come to nothing. He gives us visions that reveal his intentions for us. That's one thing that happened. We had vision for that in the late 90s and established this building. We bought it in 2001, around which time God started speaking about something else, as he does. We began to see an acceleration in vision to plant a church in Blackbird Lees and Greater Lees. That's an area of shot of part of the estate. 
If you didn't know already before this morning that we have a church there, I probably gave it away by saying that I was there last week preaching. That church was planted in November 2002. The, the process was vision, prayer, cohesive activity in line with that vision, and God providing in all kinds of ways, and a church began. This touches on what John and Nom. A few years after that, someone, they're sat here, started to get vision for the city of Paris and planting a new church in the city of Paris. And over the years, we in OCC had seen churches planted like the, you get runners on strawberry plants that just go out a little bit and get, they take root and get started, but draw life from the mother plant that's quite close through the process of getting established. We'd never before sent people to another country beyond where the strawberry runner of weekly you know, catching up and support could be made to work. But they took on that task because God had spoken. Um, we said to them before they went, well, you're, they, you're, they're going to come up and speak for themselves in a minute. But um, we said to them before they went, you know, you're going there to plant a church. We don't want to plant churches that just look shinier than other people's and draw people in from other churches and feel good about ourselves. We want to plant churches because there are people yet to be reached with the gospel that none of the existing churches are reaching. And we said to them, well, when you go to Paris, you'll get even less support than we could offer you here in the normal course of life. So you need to learn to see people born again by yourselves without any help from anyone else in the church. And when you can do that, then we'll support you in going. They had some interesting stories along the way. Um, But God turned up and they saw people born again whilst living on Osney Island just here. We supported them in going. And you're going to hear more from them about that vision about which God spoke being realized. More recently, this is Tyndale Community School. I stood up here, I think in 2008, and said... I'm running a half marathon to raise some money so that we can do some exploration of a building for a school we might like to start. And things accelerated with that over a few years. In November 2011, I stood here and said, well, this is how it now needs to work. We've talked about this vision, but it turns out in the details of things, we need £30,000 in the next two weeks. It's just become apparent. Are we with this? as a church, and there was immense generosity, and the following week, something like £24,000 was pledged, and the rest all came in too, and that school now exists. In fact, there are some of you that are here this morning that only know about us as a church because of the school. It's great to see parents and staff of the school here this morning that presumably would not have known about us, except that we had the, that school vision uh, came to pass. Um, This time last year, I I used that slide, OCC, last year and talked about vision. And last year, the most pressing thing was not actually a local vision for us, but the need to see church freshly established uh, in, well, not just, um, that's the wrong phrase, investment in the church that we had also planted years previously in Bicester. Bicester is a town in the north of the county that is due to triple or even quadruple in size after the government identified it as a new garden city. We said, we have got to be on the front foot 
to be there as a presence for Christ. There's a church there already, but we want to invest more. And it was just two weeks ago that um, a number of us had the privilege of praying for this uh, couple, this family here, Mark and Catherine Ely, and, uh, and their children as they move, they're in the process of moving to Bista to take on the lead and work with the church that's already there. We're investing there and uh, we've yet to see all the fruit of it, but we're doing it because God's spoken. And as we've responded to God, it's like there's been a fair tailwind that's carried us forward. It's like our sails have been full and there is movement, uh, momentum and, and purpose. Just in June, uh, again, there was some vision to share. I, I, again, stood here, had lots of individual conversations with people too, but said to all of the the church, and therefore many of you back in June, uh, Keith Elmitz will be retiring. Uh, He hits 65 next year. We want to make sure, for those of you who don't know, Keith is the assistant pastor here. It always feels odd to me for me to say that of him when... um, he is like a spiritual father to me as well. But anyway, he, that's his role. He's getting to 65 and will be retiring. We want to prepare well for that and make sure that we have a really good uh, season of handover from Keith and in particular to Al McNichol. Um, neither Keith nor Al are here this morning. They're, they're off doing different things, so perhaps I can speak about them more freely. They're, they're, they're both highly valued by us as a church, as are Eileen and Caroline, their wives respectively. And through, again, a wave of generous financial giving, it's been possible to plan to employ them both increasingly, um, so to, to continue employing Keith whilst also increasing Al's hours to get that handover in place. So I'm just trying to paint a picture of vision that's come from God, that when it first comes is a bit of a vague, not quite in focus, and certainly quite abstract thing. There are words that we hear, and we wonder quite what that will mean. And then God starts to work and bring about this new thing. As Simon shared that picture of a starting pistol being fired. God then fires something and something new comes into existence, which wasn't before. I said I had a little bit of news to share. Some of you may have picked it up already. It relates again to to Keith Elmett and also to one of the pictures that's on this, another one of the pictures that's on the screen here. Keith and Eileen have just got back to us from Bicester, where they were playing a role in the church there. Um, there's been a new development, and some of you will probably quite quickly guess what this might be. Well, you will as soon as I say the next thing, which is that the principal that we have at Tyndale Community School, Liz Russo, whom many of you will have met, is moving to Somerset in the new year to be with her future husband. Um, and we've been through a process of looking for a new principal for Tyndale Community School. We advertised nationally, we employed a headhunter. We weren't able to appoint anyone in the end. And then looked around, and actually, I, it was about two weeks ago, I had a sudden thought. I thought, isn't this what Keith should do? Um, and the thought came to me quite suddenly, and I shared it with him, and I wasn't laughed off by him. 
And he began to, he, he received that as a seed um, of put in him of faith for the, the period up to his retirement. He knows that he's called to continue working as a pastor. What, uh, in the details of life, we were already looking at reducing his hours somewhat to part-time in the new year as part of that handover. And so it just so happens that in January, he has hours freed up to do other things. Just so happens. Funny that. And Keith was, for those of you who don't know, he used to be a head teacher. He feels that having spent eight years now working as a pastor, that the opportunity to go back into school leadership and to see all that he's learned of church life connect with all that he already has around school life and education can and indeed will come together wonderfully in him being principal at Tyndale Community School. So we are appointing him there as the principal uh, part-time from January on an interim basis to see us through to next summer. Uh, when we'll appoint a a full-time and long-term principal. Um, There are a few more details that I could tell you about that. You can ask anyone. Who who knows the details? Because they've already heard them via school. Parents and staff, there's a few people that know. Wave your hands, because if anyone wants to know more of what's going on, ask these people, and they can tell you. I have to say, it's absolutely brilliant for the school. When I spoke to the senior leaders in the school that are there already, they all said to me, in not so many words, we have fantasized about this possibility Uh, and we just didn't believe it would be possible so that's a wonderful thing it means of course that some of us some of you um, will see Keith a bit less than you would otherwise have done but others will see Keith a bit more those on the west of the city will see him a bit less those on the east of the city will see him a bit more, but Keith and Eileen, having come back from Bicester, will be here regularly on Sundays for us, for us all to meet. So there's a bit of news. The headline, though, that I want to go back to is that when God gives us vision, he sees it fulfilled. When God speaks, his word doesn't come back to him empty. It has power. Jesus described the word of God is a seed, which is to say it's full of life. Indeed, it's a mustard seed. It's got more life and growth in it than you'd ever think when you first receive it. Now, when I look back at these different visions that we've had over the years, one of my reflections in the last week or so has been most of these only needed to be worked out by a section of the church. We probably have to go all the way back to establishing the King's Centre to go back to a time when really everyone got involved over a long period of time. The things that have followed on from that have been good, have been given by God, and we've all celebrated success and victory. But they haven't required us all to get involved. They've been worked out by just a section of the church, which is fine. But at this point, there is something that we need to recognize God has spoken that provides guidance for us all. We, um, over the last couple of years, when we've sought God and his leading and guidance for us, have quite 
regularly had um, inspiration, prophetic words that are along these lines. There was a particular word that John Snelson brought that really put it very clearly together. I'm sorry, is it a bad picture? You wouldn't? So Peter owns a bricklaying company (laughs) and is distressed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So this is what happens when you let photographers take charge of what's on the internet. (laughs) So I'm sure, I just need to add in a little caveat here, that as God has spoken to us about building brick by brick, it's not about building shoddily. Let's be clear. We shall learn to build well together. But this picture of building brick on brick, of building steadily, will remind many of us of what Peter wrote in his first letter. It's there in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, which says of us as people, you, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. This picture, this word, speaks very clearly about us. We are the stones, amazingly living stones. We are the stones whom God is building together. So this word actually is not about another building like the King Center or Tyndale Community Schools building. It's about us as a community, as people being built together. What are we to become? What kind of building are we? Well, there's much that could be said, but I want to read a few verses, two verses from Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read it from a translation that you wouldn't often look at by a guy called Moffat from the 1920s. And the reason for that is it's a wonderful turn of phrase that gets very widely quoted just at this point. So if you look this up in your Bible, you'll probably find a slightly different pattern of words, but the truth is clear. You see, Philippi was unusual in the Roman world. It was a place to which retired soldiers from the Roman army would retire. It was uh, technically a colony. We um, have probably used the phrase colony over the years, mostly to think about what happened as European empires went out and exploited different parts of the world. Um, This was a colony of Rome set up in uh, a Greek context to provide a home from home for these retired Roman soldiers. Despite being in a Greek-speaking area, they would have spoken Latin. They did speak Latin there, as Roman culture and Roman ways were worked out in every detail of life in Philippi. Philippi was a colony of Rome. And when Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he wrote this. This is, quote, this is from this uh, other translation, Philippians 3, verse 20. But we are a colony of heaven. That's the key phrase. We, the church, are a colony of heaven, and we wait for the Savior who comes from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body that belongs to our low estate until it resembles the body of his glory. He'll do that by the same power that enables him to make everything subject to himself. 
This is um, Chinatown in London. It's the same kind of thing. A culture from one place taken and put in another. And uh, it feels like the motherland. It feels like the homeland. It's probably a bit colder than most of China. But that's what's going on. And that's what Paul understands and teaches us is true of us. What are we building We're building nothing less than a colony of heaven. That whatever the life and culture of heaven is, we can build and and live in it. Heaven on earth. That's what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. When they said, so teach us to pray, Jesus. He says, well, it's like this. Our Father in heaven, heavenly reality. Heavenly reality is Father God who loves us. Heavenly reality. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We honor him. Your kingdom come. The kingdom of heaven come. Your will be done. All that happens in heaven come on earth as it is in heaven fundamental prayer of the Christian life is that this would be true, that we would indeed be a colony of heaven. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing that we get to experience heaven on earth, but not just that, to bring heaven on earth through our praying through the lives that we live, through our words and through our actions. We get to enjoy the blessings of heaven and bring blessing to those around us. That's why when I came to Oxford as a student, uh, 22 years ago now, when I came to Oxford as a student, the thing that I found that was most valuable was the community of God's people, the church. I found a colony of heaven. I found it my first Sunday in Oxford. I found this particular church. There are other colonies of heaven in the city, but I found this one. Now, this was the most valuable thing that I found. As a, I had a good time as a student. Those of you who've just arrived as students are perhaps wondering what the next few years will hold. It went well for me. Um, I got a first. Yay! Um, I... You know, was then headhunted by someone to do a PhD. Yeah, it's all very good. I led the University Christian Union. Felt great about that. Um, very important. I um, I joined a committee in the faculty where I was studying. I studied biology, helping shape the future courses that others then went on to. I mean, it went well for me. Um, the most valuable thing that I brought out of my time in Oxford was something that actually that I brought into it which was Bev, who was Bev, in that we were already an item. The fact that we sustained our relationship through our time as students, that was the best thing that came out of my time as a student. But... The best thing that I found in Oxford, the best thing that I found in Oxford was a colony of heaven. And that's why I stayed here. Valuable beyond compare. And so when we look ahead, we think, what's the vision? 
what do we see? What is it that we need to pray would come? It's nothing less than heaven on earth. And specifically, that there would be many, many, many communities in our city that bring heaven to earth. And that's the statement that I'm speaking here on behalf of the church's leadership team that we think should guide us in the coming year. For this year, this will be the phrase that gets repeated again and again and again until you're either sick of it or have prayed it into being. (laughs) That we will, in this year, be growing communities that bring heaven to earth. If this coming year sees this happen, what a delight. That would be amazing. And not just a would be, but that will be happening. And it will be an amazing thing. We dream of a city in which every man and woman and child can connect with this kind of community. And that means that we dream of a community bringing heaven to earth on every bus route, in every ward of the city, in every college, in every school, in every significant workplace, for every ethnic group, for every language group. Because the word of God says that the glory of the Lord, not just that, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's the vision. And for us here, it means this, growing communities that bring heaven to us. So they're all over the place, all over the city. Of course, that sounds wonderful. And we can go yay to that as well. Yeah, good. That's good. I mean, if I hadn't got that at this point, I'd be sunk. So I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I've got that. Thank you, Jez. However, I wonder if anyone's got a clue what that means anyone should do next week. And so there's a little bit more. I don't know whether you'll have picked up on some of the things that have been printed. It was on the TV in the foyer this morning as well. Three phrases, actually four words in three phrases that are going to help us understand what this means practically. And John and Nom are going to come and speak to us about what these mean and their experience of seeing these things done in Paris. These are the three phrases, four words. What it will require of us is that we invest, that we're bold, and that we invite people. And investment is about relationship. It means investing in relationship with each other taking time to be with each other, taking time to listen to each other, to be there for one another. It also means investing in our relationship with God, spending time with him. There's an investment that needs to go on if we're going to see anything grow. That's one thing. And I've got a picture. This is to help you remember this. Investing. I've got three animals. See if you can guess what they are. Uh, You can probably guess the next one. Uh, it it means investing. It means being bold. It means doing courageous things. Things like praying for people who don't yet know Jesus to be healed of their afflictions. Or being honest about what we know is true about Jesus in situations where it would be so much easier to keep quiet. It might mean some courageous generosity 
of giving to people in need at our own expense. It might mean all kinds of things, but courage and boldness will be a watchword, lion-like behavior. And the thing about inviting people in is, there we go, it's like a mother hen. Uh, thinking of Jesus and his heart, looking, at the city of, looking down at the city of Jerusalem and saying, I just, I longed to gather you. I, I longed to gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. And there's a need for us to invite people in. Whether that's people that you know that might like to be gathered in here, literally, on a Sunday, but through the communities that we have across the city, inviting people in to join us as friends together as we meet in our homes, as we meet in cafes or different places that are our daily daily lives. Um, so th- these things are going to keep being brought th- to our attention. I'm going to make sure that we keep talking about this until, and, well, I'm hoping it won't be everyone's fed up. I'm hoping that next summer everyone will be delighted at all this that has been built, but we're going to keep going with this. This is vision for the coming year. So, Bilsons, come and tell us what you're doing, just as they're coming. Oh, it's just John to be in with. That's great. No, of course it is. Sorry. They're going to come. It's actually a triple act, really, not just a double act. Um, I was about to introduce you, but maybe you could explain to people um, you know, what you're doing and who you are. And that would be great. Thank you. Hello. Sorry. Is this on? Yep. Brilliant. Uh, I'm John. For those who don't know me, this is Norm. Do you want to just stand and wave at least? And we have two beautiful children who are Ruben and Anais, who are with the kids at the minute. Uh, They're feeling slightly intimidated because church for us is normally 30 people. (laughs) Um, So this is is sort of beyond their normal expectations. Um, uh, But it's great, fantastic to be with you. We love you guys. Um, We love you very much. And it's always a huge delight uh, to be with you. You remain, it's seven years nearly since we left. Um, it feels a lot ridiculous. It can't be that long. <laughs> um, but you remain family. And uh, we, th- we think you're great. And you're doing fantastic. Um, you should probably have, thank you to Louise. Thank you very much. You should have a sort of bookmark thing on your chair, which just we just wanted to give just a, like a little reminder. Hello! <laughs> Please do pray for us. Remember us. Um, we were sent, as, as Steve said, seven years ago to go and plant a church in the, in Paris, in the Paris suburbs. We've done it by the grace of God. <laughs> there is now a church in Créteil. But once we'd started to get like, to a point where something was sort of established, God then started to speak again and started to say, well, it's not just church, John and Norm. Actually, you know this and knew this already. It's churches. <laughs> it's a network of missional communities or mission churches around Paris for the glory of God. And that's, I think, clear now to us. And uh, we're starting to say it. We kind of knew it inside, but we didn't say it. (laughs) We're now starting to say it. This is the vision. It's a network of missional communities around Paris for the glory of God. That is not an easy thing to do. It's not something that we're finding particularly easy to communicate uh, in in our culture. It's brand new as an idea. Um, And uh, so we're we're working hard. We're in the phase of, okay, there's the vision. Now we're praying. (laughs) And we are right now in a season of prayer as the church. The church will meet 
were meeting this morning and will have been praying together. And we're praying for four things. We're praying for a revelation of God as Father, as just absolutely vital everywhere. It's a big issue in France where we killed our king and father figure. And that lives on 200 plus years later. Uh, We're praying for a network of missional communities to be established around France. We're praying for children in the church. Missional communities are great, but how do we get the kids involved and how do we live this together? We've got 10 or 15 kids um, between us. How does this all work? And we're starting to pray towards uh, a building where we can do mission from. So that's where we're at. Uh, That's our vision. It's fantastic to hear Steve's uh, summary of the of, of the visions of the past. I and this thing, building communities that bring heaven to earth. Come on! <laughs> Can we just have that together? Come on! It's fantastic. This is it. This is what God wants to do. And God wants us to dream. God wants us to dream because he wants us to break out of our small thinking. Because God has a dream. Steve's already says it. Come on. (laughs) God has a dream, which is to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. That's God's dream. And when God dreams, he does it. He's going to do it. And so we need to start to dream. To break out of our small thinking. Otherwise, Otherwise, we end up just small. When we were students and student pastors here at OCC, we had a dream. And I've worn the t-shirt especially. The, I, have to, I have to say, it was in our drawer in plastic bag for like a number of years, and we some found it somewhere. So I haven't been like wearing it for 15 years. Um, anyway, the dream was change a generation. Come on! Change a generation. And God spoke to us prophetically about what he wanted to do in our generation, and he was giving us a part to play. And that dream continues to burn in my heart um, Only now, because we're in Paris, it comes out more like wanting to see Europe transformed through the gospel. And and our part to play in that is to plant missional communities and missional churches around Paris. That's what he's given us to do. But we're still changing a generation. At least that's what God's doing. Um, But over the last year or so, um, I've been finding God asking me some personal and difficult questions about dreams. Um, there's a number of them. It's not been the easiest year, personally. Um, uh, and there's been a whole number of things and reflections and asking myself questions and asking God questions. Ultimately, it all boils down to God saying to me, John, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that I'm going to fill the earth with the knowledge of my glory? Do you believe that I want to change a generation? Do you believe, as I've told you I want to, prophetically, that I'm going to establish a network of missional churches around Paris, a movement of disciples who make disciples for the kingdom of God? Um, So we're always mixture. And so part of my answer has been yes. And a large part has been... uh, kind of not really and God has been working on my heart Um, the thing is that if it's God's dream and if we believe that this is God's dream if God's dream is building communities that bring heaven to earth 
then it changes the way we live. It calls for a response from us. It, it, it can't just be, well, God said it, so I guess it will probably happen. And if I'm really honest, that's where I've been. Often. I've been in that place of, well, we've heard the prophetic. I'm just going to get on living my life as safely as I can. <laughs> and uh, not make too many bold statements. And just hope that God does that once sometime. I actually, looking back, feel a certain amount, I hope that those that were with us in those days understand what I'm saying, but I feel a certain amount of shame when I think about change of generation. Because I think that when we didn't know what to do, at least when I didn't know what to do, what we did was turn up the rah. <laughs> we turned up the come on. <laughs> but we didn't actually know concretely how to do this. What were we supposed to do? And if I look back, I feel I was leading. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so, so if, yeah, probably no one else did either. Um, there's a response. A raw vision, a dream, has to lead to a response, a concrete response in our lives. Otherwise, it's kind of whatever will be, will be. And there's been a bit of that in me. Again, going to Paris. So God said it. God wants to do this thing, but, but he better just get on with it. The Bible says... It's forceful men and women that take hold of the kingdom of God. And there's something we've got to do of like shaking ourselves up and shaking up some of our Britishness. That's been part of the last year for me. <laughs> shaking up some of our British respectability and reservedness and, uh, and to becoming forceful uh, men and women. It's going to require building communities uh, that bring heaven to earth is going to require action on your part. Um, so Steve's broken it down for us into invest, be bold, and invite, which is brilliant because that helps us to respond concretely. Because <laughs> the dream's fantastic, but if we just stop today at the dream, then we'll go, rah! <laughs> and we go home and then we go, and what does that mean? But this, this helps us to think about what we're going to do. Invest, be bold, and invite. I'm just going to talk briefly about investing, and then Nom's going to come and talk about being bold and inviting. Um, so invest. Um, for years, I've lived with these dreams, but I've not known what to do with them. I, I am someone who likes dreams. I, I, I love it. I could do that all day, only you realize at some point you actually do have to do something. But I love dreaming and thinking of the bigness of God. I love worshipping our big and great God. And I could get caught up and stay there forever. But we have to do something. We have to invest. And about 18 months ago, at a Salt and Light conference here in, in, in the UK, uh, there'd been some teaching and I was praying. And I kind of basically felt God say to me, uh, John, if you're going to be someone who dreams big dreams, um, then you're going to have to learn to pray like it. Actually, what I heard him say was, John, if you're going to be an apostle, then you're going to have to learn to pray like an apostle. And you can start, he said, by learning to pray two hours every day. If you'd said that to me years ago, I would have tried for a few days, and then I would have failed. <laughs> and I would have lived under a cloud of guilt. Um, but God said it to me, and he's made it possible. An average weekday now finds me praying an hour in the morning with Nom uh, before kids go to school and before we go to work. And then another hour at some point in the day in my lunch break or 
kind of on the way home, uh, sometimes walk my bike home uh, and pray. And I pray, and I use the Lord's Prayer as a prayer to pray for heaven to come to earth. To pray for that in my life. To pray for that where, where we are. That Father's goodness would be seen. Father's goodness would be seen in me and my family. Father's goodness would be seen uh, in, in our church. That he'd be seen in and through the network of churches that he wants to plant. That he'd be seen through everyone that we work with. All the other Christians. That he'd be seen through the Catholic Church today in France. It's a great thing to pray for, for France. That needs to be a revival in the Catholic Church as well. We want to see uh, God glorified. Praying like that has changed my life. Um, I used to carry a great sense of burden, of drivenness and failure. Um, it might be something to do, and I know not all of us are here, but some of us are Oxford University people, and some of you students are here, and you come with big dreams, and you're a bit of a rah, want to do something for Jesus. And there's kind of that drivenness. That drivenness can lead to a great sense of failure. I had big dreams, but they were unachievable. I have come to understand in the last year that they are not my dreams to achieve. They are God's dreams. And he has shared them with me, not so that I go and do them, but so that I ask him to do them. Do you get it? There's a difference. (laughs) Not so that I just go, all right, see you later, God, we'll report back in a year. I've done that. And the report is, didn't go so well. (laughs) That's not what he's asking for. He's asking for us to dream with him and then ask him to do them. And at some point, he will invite us to participate in action. But we've got to understand that it's him that's extending his kingdom. Him that's extending his church. I want to say this is not about all of us praying two hours a day. I'm not offering that as a life change kind of scheme or model. Um, I'm a simple man. I needed measurable targets for God to get me out of off my bottom, basically. That's what I needed. Norm has been actually quite keen for God to say the same thing to her, but he won't. Because she needs to learn to pray in other ways. And she is. And she does. So this is not about setting some sort of standard that we can all line up with. But if we're going to see these dreams come to reality, we're going to have to invest in our relationship with God. Seriously. We're going to have to break out of... I don't want want to be... But, you know, like just a five-minute quiet time. Do you know what I mean? I mean, if that's where you're at then, and, you ha- and you're not there, we'll start with five minutes. Let's all grow and take step. But we're going to have to break out and push us and receive God's pushing beyond. Beyond. Ultimately, I'm discovering that God doesn't accomplish his dreams through my being in charge of them. And that's quite painful for a driven uh, person. <laughs> he doesn't accomplish them through me being in charge of them. He accomplishes them through me recognizing that he is in charge of them, which ultimately means me learning to be a good Christian, to pray, to read my Bible and obey and learn to obey and to love people. One of the things, if you're a dreamer, is that sometimes you're not that great at always loving people because you get caught in the dreams. Um, and that's another aspect of investing, is re- investing in relationships, priori- prioritizing relationships, is another way of recognizing that God is in charge. Uh, for a long time, I felt that because of 
the things that were in my heart, I had to like be friends with everybody. Can I just say that being nice to everybody is a great thing, but being friends with everybody is not possible. And it leads to no friends. <laughs> and if we want to see communities that bring heaven to earth, we're going to have to choose with whom we build. I'm not saying, saying necessarily not like best buddies, <laughs> not just the people that we like, but who is God calling us to build relationship with so that I can learn to love people, so that I can learn to be a good Christian who, who loves people. As we do that, we allow God to take charge of his dreams and to apply them in our lives as we invest in prayer and in loving people. Nom. I love it when you get handed a microphone. <laughs> Nom. Okay. So, Colonies of Heaven. I love that. Uh, it made me cry, actually. <laughs> colonies of Heaven. We need Colonies of Heaven in Oxford. We need Colonies of Heaven in Paris, in Créteil, in Champigny, where we are. Because people need to touch heaven. Everybody out there, everybody we're going to meet, everybody I'm going to meet on the way to school, everybody you're going to meet on the way to work, uh, that office uh, mate next to you has prayer requests. They have needs in their life. They have needs in their family. They have needs. They have health issues. They have problems at work. They need to see God touch them. They need to see heaven come to earth. And I realize, I've been realizing that context is everything. That uh, if I'm going to live in, as part of a colony of heaven, if I'm going to live as a little bit of heaven on earth, then I need to have my antennas up for heaven. And that's what kind of this praying thing that John's talking about uh, means every day for, for me. Um, it means having my prayer antenna up. It means being ready to listen to the Holy Spirit and wait for what he's doing and see what he's doing. To look out for people who have a prayer request and to give them, give them the opportunity to utter it so that God can meet it. Um, when we first moved to France, it was actually quite easy to be bold in some ways. The first question anybody asked me was, why have you come to France? Why have you come to Créteil? What's wrong with England? <laughs> everybody wants to speak English. Everybody wants to go, why? What are you doing here? So it was quite easy to start the conversation with, well, God told us to. And we've come here to plant a church kind of forces you out there, really. It pushes you out there. The conversation's got to go, well, basically, it's either got to go that way or it goes, oh, okay. It's nice weather today, <laughs> so, which it did sometimes. But sometimes it pushed the conversation further and sometimes it went somewhere. And it was in some ways easy. I learned a lot in that period. We're no longer in that period. Seven years later, nobody's interested in why you're in France. <laughs> you speak kind of like, you know, okay French. It's not actually the first question they ask. So I have to choose to push the question further. I have to choose to, for the conversation to go in that direction. And it takes boldness. It takes the antenna being up and the looking for the prayer request. What is it that's going on in your life? What is it that God can touch you in? Um, just a couple of, couple of examples. We have... Uh, which one should I give? Uh, so one of the things I do is teach Pilates, which 
as many of you will know. And God's spoken to me, God spoke to me in this building 10 years ago about redeeming Pilates for him so that it would give him glory. So that's what it burns in my heart. That's what I have. That's what I want to do. God's spoken recently. I'm starting to build up a personal training build business that means going to people's homes, ready to pray for them, ready to, for God to touch body, soul, and spirit on three dimensions and for heaven to touch earth. I'm not going to stop preaching about it because otherwise it will go that way. But that's what burns here. That's my dream. That's what God's spoken to me about seeing happen. Um, and we have that actually in the process of starting, so it's very new, but one girl in one of the classes that I teach said to me, do you know what? I've got, um, I've got a, 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 comp- a, a, a test coming up in work and I, I'm really stressed about it. Would you come and do a class for me? Because uh, every time I do your classes, I just feel chilled and it's good and I need it. So I went and did the class with her and knew that there was some stress. I said, well, can I pray for the stress? And she didn't want me to pray there and then, but I said I'd pray. And I said to her, okay, so tell me, text me, let me know how it goes. She texted me saying it went really well, that it really helped. The class really helped. It's a really small step, but it takes boldness. And for me, that's kind of what it looks like. But it means having this prayer antennae up. We, I, I walked home from school uh, months ago, and there was a, a neighbor walking, just walking to school, uh, and we just got chatting. And I just said, oh, so I think I asked her, I said something about the rhythm of school and school life and something. She, she said something about her child being sick. And I said, oh, really? What's, what's the problem? She didn't want to talk about it. I said, okay, well, I'll pray. I'll pray for your kid. What's his name? And praying every day <laughs> means that you actually do pray. I think I used to be afraid to say I'd pray for someone because I didn't think I'd actually do it. Whereas now I do. <laughs> and I prayed for her and it opened up much opportunities. I'm going to talk about her again in a second. But the antenna, the antenna have to be up. If we're a colony of heaven here on earth, if we're going to live out like God really wants to touch the earth and see his glory and the knowledge of his glory cover the earth, then it's going to take bold steps. And bold steps come by being ready and having our antenna. This is an antenna, by the way. (laughs) It means being ready, having our antenna up and being ready to be a colony of earth on heaven where there are walking prayer requests around. And we've got a God walking with us who's ready to meet those prayer requests. He's ready to touch the needs around us. I've just started, this will make some of you laugh, I've just started teaching English uh, in our school, Living English. I hate teaching English. <laughs> I am rubbish. <laughs> it really is not me. I'm well out of my comfort zone right now. Um, and there's one particular class that has just been a beast. It's really horrible. <laughs> I really, really dread it. Um, and I just felt like as I was praying for it and praying for me and praying for the kids and <laughs> I felt God say, just pray at the beginning of the class. And I felt like he gave me the, the phrase that I had was, I think kids will all admit that this is not an easy class, is it? It's not much fun. And you know what? When things are difficult in my life, I pray and I ask God. So we're going to do that. We prayed. The class was horrible. But you know what? Last week it went a lot better. <laughs> all we need is our antenna up. That will help us to be bold because God will give us manageable things to do and he will show us the prayer requests in order that he might meet them. So be bold. Invite. Again, when we first moved, when we first did running events as a church, I literally used to carry around flyers in my pocket. 
everybody was a target. Who can I invite? Because, you know, you invite them and, hey, maybe they'll come. And I don't think it was wrong. I think it was really good. But actually, God's moved me to a different season. We moved to another town a year ago. Um, and God said to us in moving that he was going to plant us into a ready existing community that we could bring Jesus into. So where we didn't have to spend years building friendships and contacts and getting to know people before we said, Jesus loves you. <laughs> but where we could just connect with people and immediately introduce people to the Bible. He spoke to us about using discovery Bible studies, opening up the Bible with people and saying, what does it say? Who's God? What do I do about it? Kind of thing. Really simple method to help people to connect with God. Um, and so me being a simple person went, okay, who should I invite? Who should I ask to come? And uh, I take my kids to school. A lot of our neighbors' kids go to the same school. So it was like, okay, well, there's got to be some mums who might want to come. So my antenna were up. I was looking for the people. I invited a few people. And then actually had been kind of listening and looking. And it was when the some of you guys came over at Christmas to sing carols. We sang carols outside our building. And um, one of the mums that I bump into every now and then had said to me earlier in the day that she had a bad tooth she had an abscess on her teeth and I just kind of oh I'd love to pray for you but it wouldn't didn't seem right at the moment maybe later and then we sang outside her her staircase we sang songs to sang Christmas carols she came down she connected with us and just as we were walking back it was pouring down with rain and I was like I need to pray for her right now <laughs> so I said can I just pray for your abscess she's like oh, I don't believe in God but all right then so I prayed for her and uh, nothing seemed to happen. And uh, I said to her the following day or the following week, how's your abscess? Yeah, it's all right. Didn't say anything about the prayer. And then later, but later on, I invited her out for coffee. We chatted. Uh, she seemed up for doing a discovery Bible study, getting out the Bible, looking at it together with some others, even though she was an atheist, didn't believe in God. Um, so Anyway, we planned to do it on the Saturday morning when the kids were at school. I invited a couple of other mums and it came to the morning. You know what it's like, some of you. You get to the morning and you're like, okay, is anybody actually going to come? Or am I just going to be sat here drinking coffee? Uh, and she came on time, which is a miracle. Nobody else came, but we sat there on Saturday morning looking at the Bible. It was hard work. She is, in fact, well, she's not an atheist, but she doesn't really like God very much. Um, so she hammered the Bible and hammered God. But in that context, somewhere along the line, she said, oh yeah, but God did answer my prayer. My tooth did get better. Um, and so yeah, at the end of the time, she said, oh this, yeah, it's been good. It would be better if there were some other people. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> so I went back to some of these other people and said, hey, you know, it was really good. We met, we did it on Saturday, but it would be really a lot better if there were some other people. Would you come? They were like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, whatever. Okay, we're going to try again in a couple of weeks. So one of the mums said, yeah, maybe. One of the others said, yeah, that sounds great. I'll bring some croissants. I was like, brilliant, that sounds good. She's investing. Sounds like a positive thing. Came to the morning. Oh, is anybody going to come? And this friend who came before sent me a text saying, no, I'm not coming. Uh, another friend who I didn't, I didn't hear from in fact and this other friend who promised to bring the croissants sent me a text saying no I'm not coming I've got too much to do at home I was like flipping egg you know what I don't like this business but God reminded me of Luke 12 when Jesus sends the disciples out and he says he says a, a 
a nugget to them. And he says, if somebody rejects you, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And I knew at that moment, that woman was not rejecting me. She was rejecting God, which isn't a good thing, but at least she's got a response to God. And she, she did, wasn't rejecting me. I didn't feel bad. I didn't feel gutted. I didn't feel, it was just, she was just rejecting God. And God can turn that around. And he, he is doing very slowly. We've met for coffee. We've been out together. We've chatted. She's opened up her heart. I'm praying for her regularly. But it happened because I invited her. Because something potentially opened up. And actually what has opened up since is one of the other friends who I had invited that morning and didn't come. Um, but we have started a Discovery Bible study together. She's a Muslim. So we have some very interesting conversations together. Uh, she's called Aisha, if you want to pray for her. She's the one with the sick child. Um, and I, we pray regularly for her kids and for them. And I was reminded, as I was, I was just thinking about this, I was reminded of that. Do you remember those, those bracelets? Push, pray until something happens. So you know, for some of these people, it's about inviting them and inviting them and being bold, having the antenna up, taking opportunities as they come. And praying until something happens. Because when something happens, it'll be the, the déclencheur, the thing that, that clincher, <laughs> the, the, the thing that opens something up, you know? <laughs> but it takes people being ready. It takes people whose antenna are up, who are ready to pray, who are going to pray regularly and who are going to stand alongside people, who are going to look for the opportunities and who are going to be part of a colony of heaven where people's prayer requests can be met because we're there ready to bring them to God. As I prayed for you guys, I felt reminded of, it's a story you will all know very well, I'm sure. When Jesus goes to Mary, Mary and Martha's house and, Mary's, and Martha's busy serving and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says to Martha, you are worried and agitated about many things. But Mary has chosen the one thing that is important. And I just felt like God wanted to say that this vision that you have, this vision that Steve is bringing today, uh, growing communities uh, that will bring heaven to earth, it might just be the one thing that will enable you to come to Jesus together. And it might be more important than all the other things that you feel agitated and stressed about and get busy about. I feel like God wants to say this vision is like the magnet that's going to line up all the, all the iron filaments. Is that what we say? All the iron bits of metal are going to line up behind this vision because this vision is from God. And this vision is what he's got in his heart. This vision is for, what, for this city. God wants to see colonies of heaven across this city. God wants to see them in the, like Steve said, in the schools, in the workplaces, in the hospitals, in wherever you are. God wants to set a community there that somebody with a prayer request can touch. And somebody can touch heaven through touching you. I believe in this vision. <laughs> I believe you do too. <laughs> I believe it's going to happen as we invest in him our relationship with him in one another, our relationships with one another. It's going to happen as we get our antenna up, we take bold steps towards people, and as we invite them to know this God who loves them very greatly.